Prepare your ear holes for hoops. It's like a romance with the ball. Get ready for a view of Cleveland basketball from downtown Columbus. Let it ride! This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. Let's get it on. We never really do uh, a professional intro here. Welcome to another episode of Very Cavalier. Maddie, the one thing that I have said to myself more times than anything over the past year yeah. is the best workout is the one you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And I think us talking before recording this felt very much like the workout I have no desire to do is also the podcast or the show that is the healthiest to do. Or that when you do it and you grind through it, and you feel like garbage and you come out of it, you feel better for having done it yeah. than just ignoring it and saying, bleep it, I'm going to go home. I have not felt this way about a Cavaliers team since LeBron left the first time. Okay. And that we're in December, and I don't care. I just don't care. What, let me ask you this. How did we get to this point? What has pushed you in this direction to not care about our beloved Cavs. So it's Wednesday, December 13th, Monday, December 11th, after the Boston, after the game against the Boston Celtics. A close game, with a six, seven point loss. 120 to 113. Nothing wrong with losing in Boston. Yep. Two nights before that, they lost in Orlando. Uh, what was it like 10 points or something? 104 to 94. Nothing wrong with those two losses. Nope. But this season for this team, it's been three up two down and they've got a game here in a couple days and the TD garden against the mm -hmm. Boston Celtics, nothing wrong with losing to the Boston Celtics in December, but this entire year it's been hovering 500 a couple up, a couple down, a couple up, a couple down, one up, one down. And this isn't consistent enough for me to feel good about this team taking a step from last season, considering the, I mean, wet fart that that playoff that playoff run yeah. was against the against the Knicks still haunts me. Still haunts me. What you're laying out is logical. Your emotions, I think, are in the right spot because when any team or when any player gives you the good, then gives you the bad, then gives you the good, then gives you the bad, it's going to drive you up a wall. And I completely get it because coming into this season. The structure of this team to me, and I believe you, look pretty darn good. I don't think you and I looked at this Cavs roster and said, hey, they're going to be Milwaukee or they're going to be Boston. I think that would be crazy if anybody thought that out of the gate. But the roller coaster ride is not a fun one. It's not a fun one. However, I think the reason why we're on this roller coaster ride is consistently we haven't seen this Cavs team at full strength. And again, we're in a window to where one of the biggest pieces of this entire season in Evan Mobley is now down with a knee injury. Yep. And look, I'm not trying to hit him with excuses or hit you with excuses. I am trying to find reasons as to why maybe we're going through this up and down ride. And maybe these last two L's are as simple as Orlando's really freaking good and, and Boston are. is great. And they are. And the Cavs aren't the Spurs or the Pistons. Yeah who for San Antonio, I think it's 17 straight. Mm -hmm. For Detroit, it's 20 straight. Yeah. So they're neither of those extremes. Mm -hmm. They're in the middle. But even before Mobley's knee injury, they were 
bottom of the league offensively. I think they're 24th. Totally after fair. After the game against, uh, the bo- yeah, bottom of the league offensively. And their offensive efficiency, they are 24th in the league as of this recording. And I said to myself, that isn't going to get it done. No, it's not going to cut it. So let me ask you this. Are you at a point now, based off of the information and games that you've consumed this year, are you lowering your expectations for what they can do at the end of the year? Yes. Get into the playoffs. Really? You're just get in. Get in. See, I'm still at win around. I think you can F around and win, but if I were to go in right where, where I'm at right now, and again, this is super reactive. I understand this, but just the real me, dog. <laughs> this team I don't think is good enough to make a deep Eastern Conference run. I don't think they are coached well enough to make a deep Eastern conference run. And so that's where I say, just get into the playoffs F around and see what can happen. I, I don't expect them to dismiss JB Bickerstaff, regardless of what happens at the end of this season, because he's got a contract extension. But I think the more I watch of this team, JB Bickerstaff is the, is the, um, the words are struggling at this point, but he is because an anchor. John, he's because of John Beeline. No, no, he's not. He's not an anchor. He's not an elevator. Yeah, he's not. A, I'm going to get the most out of my talent. Okay, he's a good game manager, but he's not going to out scheme some of the better coaches in the Eastern Conference. He is, and I found the word. He's a product of what happened with John Beeline, because that old fart comes in. Yeah calls the players slugs or thugs, whatever idiocy that he tried to spew at them. And the response was, well, JB's here. Mm -hmm. We've got to fix this quickly. JB's the Band-Aid. You may be on to something. I don't want to be, though. But you you may be on to something because these are the conversations that need to be had. There needs to be tough questions asked when it comes to this team because they should be playing a lot better. I just happen to buy into right now what they haven't had as far as their roster goes game in and game out. I agree. Because I still don't believe that a team like the Brooklyn Nets or even the New York Knicks are that much better. Even the Pacers are that much are better than the Cavs right now, I think. I'm with you. I don't believe that. So when you talk to me about Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia, That, to me, is the cream of the crop in the East. I'm still in wait-and-see mode with the Orlando Magic. They may be the Eastern Conference version of the Kings from last year. Young team, really figuring some things out. I like that comparison. But as far as their runway in the postseason, I'm not buying it just yet. So when you get past the big three to me, then you're talking about the Pacers, Knicks, Heat, and the Cavs. And to me, they are the cream of the crop of those teams when they're healthy. We just haven't seen it. So the frustration, you have Every right to feel that way. I am with you. They're playing 500 ball in their last 10, five and five. It ain't good enough, but I happen to believe that they will clean this up and they will hit you with some good stuff moving forward. I wonder what move they're going to make at the deadline because there's got to be something done. There's got to be an addition. And I'm, I've, I've been going over where that addition needs to be. Yeah. And every time I keep thinking of something, my, my head goes to Ricky Rubio. And I I feel horrible because as someone who's seen a therapist, Mm -hmm. I understand mental health struggles and I understand how serious those need to be taken. I I really do. But I don't know if I could pull the same stuff with my employer and they would say, it's fine, Eric. Take all of the time you need when they are constrained 
by contracts and mm -hmm. by cap numbers. Mm -hmm. And if there is a move that they need to make and his number's sitting there and it needs to be allocated elsewhere for production on the court. Then you got to make a move. Got to make a move. That's the job but of the GM. You also can't lose the locker room when you do that. And if there's so much love for Rubio there, then okay, Kobe Altman, you've got less to work with, but you've got to make something magical happen. Isn't that a bad sign, though? And I'm not trying to knock Ricky Rubio's it leadership. Because we're, uh, that's the thing with this is with what he's going through right now with yeah. his leadership, with him as a person, it, it when it when it comes off as, as it, it criticizing or we're hating on or we're making light of it, and it, it's no, it's none of those things. Neither of us, I feel, should have to put something ahead of what we want to say with this is a results business yeah. that has a, a finite amount of resources that are allocated to teams trying to get a result. Mm -hmm. And to maximize that, this is a very hard decision. Yeah, I, and listen, I completely understand what you're saying. And going back to the mental health thing, I'm glad you highlighted that. That's a very, very real thing, and especially for what you and I do, right, where you got people emailing you and tweeting at you how your, your take sucked and all this other stuff. It, it's hard to funnel that into positivity all the time. So with whatever Ricky Rubio is dealing with, hats off to him. That's a very serious thing. But this is also a business, and more importantly, it's a basketball business. And when you're in this window of acquiring Donovan Mitchell, having very talented young stars in Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, Jared Allen's a solid vet, and you bring in two good vets and George Niang and Max Struess, you got to keep the train rolling. So maybe there just has to be a tough conversation had to say, hey, Ricky, look, we love you. We want to take care of you. But we have a job to do. I have a job to do. Colby Altman as the general manager of this um, team here. So I got to make a move. So if it comes down to that, then you got to put feelings aside and you got to do what's best for J.B. Bickerstaff and the dudes out there busting their tail. It sucks because we've seen what Rubio can do on the court when he's fully healthy. Uh, and, and it's been a minute since he's he's been fully healthy physically and mentally. Yeah. But we, we have heard from everybody who's been in front of a microphone or a camera that will speak to Ricky Rubio, the guy he is in the locker room, the person he is, the player he is on the court. And you need guys like that when you want to make deep playoff runs and you want to be a champion. That's what Tristan is there for now. Like, I don't want to come across as insensitive to this, but Donovan Mitchell, Tristan Thompson, these are veterans at this point. Yep. Like, you can pick up the leadership here if Ricky Rubio goes down. And I, and I get it. Every team usually has a guy that he may not play much, but he is a popular guy on the team because he can get the guys going. He can make people laugh, whatever it is. But this is about accomplishing the ultimate goal. And if you can get one step closer to accomplishing that goal by packaging Ricky Rubio uh, with something else to make you a better team, then you, you got to do it. You got to do it. This brings me to another conversation that I've been hesitant to have because I don't want to jettison this season already. So with that caveat out of the way, I'm not jettisoning yeah. this season out of the way, but there's been a little bit more smoke to the Donovan Mitchell trade rumors that have floated out there ever since he signed with mm -hmm. Cleveland, thinking that Spida would want out before the contract was up anyway, or at the end of the contract, he was going to go to New York. Yeah. Now that we're kind of staring at this season and then thinking if they're not able to make a playoff run or they're not able to make an Eastern Conference final mm -hmm. and he's got one more year left before that player option kicks in um, in 2025, yeah. by the time next February rolls around, are you trading Donovan Mitchell? I am always in favor 
of getting some type you of return. Have to. I never. You can't Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim this. Thank you for saying that because that's the camp I was in. I'm not going to be the GM that loses Shohei Otani for comp picks and have that on my resume. Kobe Oldman, you don't want to be the GM of the Cleveland Cavaliers and have Donovan Mitchell walk for nothing because there's so much smoke around the league. It's just too much for anybody to ignore it right now. Brian Windhurst has been on record, I believe, saying that Donovan Mitchell is not going to sign an extension in Cleveland. That doesn't get out unless Donovan Mitchell's camp wants it to be out. So everyone knows that at least for now, his mindset is not set on staying in. Actually, no, I'm not going to say that. His mindset is not set on signing an extension with anybody at the moment. He might pick up the player option. He might. This time next year, and we'll have nothing to talk about. And look, over in, in New York, let's be real. How how is there really a good fit for him playing next to Jalen Brunson? I don't know. It seems kind of clunky Not to right me. now. Not right now. Not right now. So they have a feel of what he's going to do. I refuse to believe otherwise. And if I'm wrong, I'll come on this pod and tell you I'm wrong. I do it all the time on my show. Anyway, happens. It I'm happens. wrong all the freaking time. I um, just, I can't get caught with my pants down. E. I can't. And the, in the main reason why you have to move on from spider. If you know for a fact that he's not going to run it back is because on the other side of this, it's not all doom and gloom. Yes. You're going to lose an, an all-star caliber player. One of the best scores in the league when he's rolling, But if you flip this over to the core of your team is still Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, and also you get key assets coming back, which you will from Team X or whoever it's going to be, that's a good starting point for the new chapter of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I am all in favor of them if, again, if they know that he's not coming in back, then you have to trade him. You can't lose him for nothing. But I do think they'll get a better sense in the offseason here. And this is kind of... This is where a lot of my Cavs fandom goes, ah, shit, because we're already thinking about that, right? We're not establishing this as a season or this is a December to get right for January and to make an all-star break push Mm -hmm. that can put you within an actual playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. So you're not worried about having to do with a play-in or having to deal with an unhappy Donovan Mitchell or Mm -hmm. you're – you're you're maximizing the most of Darius Garland's prime, or you're making sure Evan Mobley's becoming the superstar. That if you can pair him as this, at the if if he can become the prince that was promised, Evan Mobley, mm-hmm. then the worry isn't as there when you likely lose That's Donovan it. Mitchell. Yeah, that, and that uh, and on the other side of that too, we can bring in Jared Allen into the conversation. Sure, because if Evan had turned into or does turn into fairly quickly the prince that was promised. Then Jared Allen becomes an asset. You can move if you know. We can slide Evan over to the five every night and we'll be all right. I don't think they know that right now. Because you got Tristan Thompson. You have Tristan, who's actually been okay. <laughs> he had like a double double the other night. <laughs> He's been okay for what they were asking from him yes. or what he was predicted to be for this team prior to the season. But those are just a couple interesting names. There was some smoke around Jared Allen's name last year. Obviously, that did not happen, but he is viewed, I think, around the league as a pretty doggone good center. But the Donovan Mitchell thing is always going to be a thing until he comes out and says, I'm locked in to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I ain't going anywhere. The New York stuff is going to be the New York stuff. And it's also not in his best interest to do that. Yeah, right. No, it's a bad business move. You will hear nothing from anybody from uh, the Cavs or the Donovan Mitchell camp. You'll hear stuff from guys like Brian Winhurst, stuff from guys like Chris Haynes. Mm -hmm. They'll allow that from camps that want to get a certain narrative out there, as is the NBA game. 
guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. This is Very Cavalier with Reeser and Matty Ice. My friend and yours, um, national champion defensive back with Ohio State, Tyvis Powell, pitched something in the offseason that had... Uh, that we we set off the air on one of our Saturday shows, and I had to bring it to the air because I thought it was so damn ridiculous. But now I don't know, and so I want to have this discussion with you because it related to a trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New Orleans Pelicans, Jarrett Allen, and another asset for Zion Williamson. I want no parts. I I told him the same thing. I want no parts with Zion Williamson. This guy, and honestly, let me be honest here. I was not He's a, eating the whole damn table. <laughs> I wasn't even fat shaming Zion. Just crushing him on national oh TV. Oh my God. E, let me be honest. I was never the biggest Zion guy even coming out of He's Duke. a big guy. And, <laughs> and here's why. His game to me has never been much more than I'm going to overpower you and dunk on everybody. So when you combine, I think, his lack of skill set, which is still pretty darn good, but I think he should be better, with what I think is the biggest issue, he don't give a damn. No. He doesn't give a damn. And I'm not buying this excuse of he's doing this on purpose because he wants to be in New York and play with his Kentucky brothers and R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle with the Knicks. I'm not buying it. This is a guy that has had a track record now for years of showing his lack of dedication to the craft. I don't want that paired with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Every The pros are the pros, but the cons are a lot louder than the pros when it comes to Zion. I'm out. I had wondered uh, just how loud that discussion could be because, you know, Tyvis has been busy with his, his Big Ten Network stuff, and it's football season. So he's out Monday through Sunday, Yeah, he, Monday through Monday. Plus he's got, you know, in the conversation, uh, I don't think he – his kid might have just turned one, mm-hmm. so he's a dad of toddlers. Yeah. So his the conversations that him and I have don't come around as often about sport, but I wondered because Zion and the Pelicans had made their way to the Western final portion of the in-season tournament if they were to beat the Lakers if I was going to hear anything. <laughs> and so I was rooting for the Lakers to beat them. <laughs> And then, because I hadn't watched any Western Conference in-season tournament games because they air at 10.30 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Guess what I'm doing at that time? I'm in bed. But I watched a little bit of the Lakers-Pelicans, and I was like, there's no way in hell I want Zion Williamson on my basketball team. Yeah, those are the worst type of guys, I think, to have on the team. They're the most frustrating guys to where, yes, they absolutely are going to blow you away with the highs, but the lows are so low that it would drive me insane. So I just wouldn't be the GM that would trust Zion Williamson that when we acquire him, he's going to get his act together because I just don't think he really loves the grind that it takes to be an NBA player. He's fat. He's a fat player. Yeah, and I think listen, we're okay with it. I'm not going to sit here and crush the guy for being fat, but – you he's not can't in shape. Put a franchise around a fat guy. And look, in his frame, he's not tall enough to deal with, I think, honestly, like the weight he's playing at. This isn't a seven foot guy. When he had when he was in good playing weight, his foot went out through the damn shoe because he was so large. Correct. So, and you just brought up a whole nother thing too. I'm talking about his lack of dedication. This has also been a guy that's got injury stuff. That was that what I was harping on with Tyvis because I was like, if he could play a full 82, but he can't. Can't do it, man. He can't do it. So, look, 
I, I just I'm out on that. I the highs would be incredible with Garland and Mobley, and, and I, I get it, I get it. But no, I just you could talk me into a lot of other guys than uh, I'd rather have Brandon Ingram than Zion Williamson <laughs> from New Orleans. Tell Tyvis that he'll love that take because he and I got into an argument about Brandon Ingram one day. But if you want to call New Orleans, that's who I'm calling to get. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not calling to get Zion. There's. With the NBA, with the the regular season, it does feel like the drama that happens around the actual basketball is most of the time better than what happens on the court in like the actual games. Because what was it last? It would have been a last night. You had Nikola Jokic get ejected for yelling at officials after not being awarded what he thought was a foul, and then he got a fa- he got a technical for yelling at the officials, and then he kind of kept yelling at them. Yeah, and they gave him another technical two nights la- or two three seconds later and you get ejected after that. Mm-hmm. And it was like on Serbian heritage night in a game against the Chicago bulls in Chicago. Yeah. He gets ejected on Serbian heritage night and chops looked it up. The second largest uh, popular Serbian population outside of Serbia is Chicago. And you eject <laughs> Serbia's greatest asset <laughs> because he's bitching at officials. Oh, and I swear. Didn't he say something to the effect after the game? Like this would not lucky fly. That wasn't in like Belgrade or yeah, what's the like capital? I essentially pretty much saying there'd be a hit out on the refs or whatever yes. it was that this happened over in Serbia, Belgrade which is ballsy has, to say. Belgrade has the highest concentration of Serbs anywhere in the world. And then the Chicago is second. Interesting. I did not know that. The Serbian. So they did the Serbian heritage night, obviously, because it's, you know, tremendous. You have uh, not only the league MVP, but you have one of the best Serbian athletes of all time. All time, 100%. And he gets tossed. Oh, that's tough. Last In night, the second quarter. Last night got pretty interesting. Last night was pretty interesting. Then there's Draymond, <laughs> who hit a UFC-quality spinning back fist oh, in a game against the Suns. I can't remember the Suns, the player for the Suns, who it was. Nurkic, who they acquired from Portland in the uh, DeAndre Ayton trade, yeah. Who, I, they, I, I don't think, the, I mean, I don't think any, it wasn't anything that Nurkic did. It was just Draymond. Losing his mind. Again. That's what this was. So we did, we had what, a little over a month ago, maybe less than a month ago, Draymond Green acting like Taz and, and putting Gobert in the Taz mission. What's next, D? Is he going to put somebody over his shoulders and act like CM Punk and hit you with a GTS? Does any, like, I haven't followed wrestling in a while. Yeah. Um, does anybody in wrestling do a spinning back fist? Eddie Kingston. Does. Okay. That's his finishing move. That's over that, in Eddie. Okay. Because that's over what that AEW. Because yeah. I've seen it in UFC where a guy tries to do a spinning back fist, and you got to be really quick and coordinated with that because yeah. it can just turn in like a spinning like neck chop real quick. And I don't know if that has the same knockout power. I think it like crushes your windpipe, or you do like a spinning Ric Flair chop to the chest, and the guy's just like ow, and then he kicks you in the face, and you're knocked out. Yeah, he is a uh, look. You're almost to a point now where you're at like a loss for words with this because we've been talking about this literally for years. And we don't even need to go back years with this dude. Think about the last year, handful of months. This incident, we saw him stomp out Sabonis in, in in the playoffs, right, against the Kings. Then you had the whole Jordan Poole situation that led off last year. I mean... If Adam Silver doesn't sit this guy down for, what, a minimum of five again? Like, a minimum of five again, then I don't know what we're doing with this guy, Draymond Green, because it's just to the point now to where it's not even just the cool conversation of, oh, this is the enforcer for a team, and he's going to talk trash and ruffle some feathers. Like, this stuff is just idiotic, eh? 
I do wonder, because I saw a couple NBA reporters asking for 10 games. Fine. Fine. And then I saw a couple other NBA reporters saying, oh, you guys are just, and they were Bay Area-based NBA reporters saying, you guys, all you want to do is just suspend, suspend, suspend. That's all the NBA media calls for. I mean, is a player gets in trouble with suspension. And I, my, my counter to that would be like, what else would you like them to do? Yeah. How else do you prove a point? Yeah, because Draymond makes too much money to where a fine isn't going to do anything. He's not doing anything. And also, here's what we know. We know that the Warriors themselves are not going to come down on Draymond Green hard. They had a chance to do that last year with the Jordan Poole thing and didn't do a damn thing. So we can't leave this up to the Warriors and Steve Kerr to come down can't on trust him. Them to that's do not going to happen. Like, no. Hell no, that's not going to happen. So Adam Silver, if he wants to throw 10 games at him, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that because I've also been a guy for Draymond like – I don't have this crazy hate for him like a lot of people do. Like, obviously, he's done some stupid stuff. But, like, here's the other. It's funny because the other side of this, too, is a lot of the old heads that I see talking about Draymond are also the same old heads that romanticize all the BS that happened with the bad boy Pistons and Dennis Rodman and all that. But all of a sudden, this is yeah, one like, of the most egregious things. How does this now become a, yeah. I'm like, you can't have both, right? Where you guys romanticize. Oh, that league was so much Bill tougher. Bill punching lot. people and yeah. you're celebrating that. I'm like, this is the same. Correct. And now we get this and this is the worst thing that they've ever seen. So I'm like, okay, let's chill on that a little bit. Well, I guess to Draymond's point, he just flails his arms all the time anyway. And he just actually <laughs> accidentally happened to make contact with... Uh, Nurkic's face and yeah. it's like well no sir we we get it we, we we understand your gimmick at this point the reason why I believe he, he went out there and publicly apologized, apologized to, him. to Nurkic is because he wanted Adam Silver or they meaning the Warriors wanted Draymond to go out there so Adam Silver could see him kind of humbling himself and not going down the road of yeah I did it blanket I don't care because they're trying to soften the blow because their season is kind of hanging in the balance because when you zoom out from this and zoom into the Warriors they're not a very good basketball it's team. It's his third ejection of the season. Yeah, I, I, There's nothing else that can be done other than a serious suspension. Should he get the John Morant? Probably not. No, I don't but need that. this has to be a thing where – and he's not going to change who he is. Why would he? So you Right. It's gotten him to this point. Exactly. So you just – you have to do something that is punitive – and that shows the rest of the league, hey, you can't actually act like yeah, this. No. And look, I mean, this is a guy that's been a repeat offender year in this and year out. This season he's repeat. This season, correct. <laughs> and he has not been shown by the league that they're going to come down on him super hard. So to his credit in his mind, I don't think he would admit this publicly, why would I stop doing this stuff? He's played in 15 games this year and been injected in three of them. Yep. I'm not good at math, but that percentage seems a little That's high. a little too high. A little high. A little yeah. high. I got to uh, make an apology to uh, one Anthony Davis. Maybe. I think on the, was it the first podcast we did this season? Yeah, you were dunking. Where I said they might want to think to trade him at the deadline, see what they can get back for him if they want to make another <laughs> substantial playoff run. They're not going to need to trade a single damn person if they want to make a substantial playoff run. I uh, This team, when it wants to, more so LeBron and AD, when yeah. they want to, when they're healthy, they're beating everybody. The game you're referring to, I'm assuming, is the championship game in the in-season tournament. Lakers lost last night on the 12th, uh, and he still gave you 37. Plus, it was a three-point game to the Mavericks. I got to look. That's a bad uh, 127, loss. 127-125. 125. No Kyrie. That's a bad loss for the Lakers, right? Bad loss. What, but What did Luka have? I mean, find that, because I'll read you AD's stat line from last night. It was 37-11 rebounds and two blocks in the title game out in Vegas. For the in-season tournament, it was 41 points, 20 rebounds, five assists, four blocks. He's locked in right now, man. This this right here, like, 
you 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 take that game and you show it to maybe a uh, casual basketball fan that just kind of taps in and out, and you can make a case that that's the best player on the planet. Yeah. Like if you show them the highlights of that game. Yes. But the frustrating part of all of this is, eventually, I think we all know what's coming is probably a weak run of eleven points, seven rebounds. You yeah. know, fifteen points, nine rebounds, and then we'll go back to this. But yeah, you nailed it. When the Lakers are locked in, they can beat anybody. They can beat anybody. Did they hang a banner for that in-season tournament win? They did, which I think is completely out of bounds. But my theory is, and let me run this by you, that that was driven more so by Adam Silver than the Lakers wanting to do that. I, they've got, what, 17 yes. NBA championships? Like, they've got several numbers that have been retired. They got two for Kobe. Like, yeah. do they have room for banners? That's a great question. I haven't seen like someone tweet out a picture of not where like the it's Clippers go. are taking up any room with their banners. We know that. The we, artist formerly known as the Staples Center. We know that ain't happening, but do you do you buy into my theory yeah. there that Adam Silver wants to make this a thing? Yes. And so you got a perfect example. Banner. It's like with Draymond. This is the perfect example to show that this is important yeah. because of all the Lakers banners of all the important things of all the importance this franchise has meant to the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. This is another thing that is important, yeah. important enough to the probably the most iconic brand in basketball yes. to have a banner along with all of their other accomplishments. Mm-hmm. This matters too. Yeah. So I listen. I'm not a fan of it. I think it's it's kind of corny. I did enjoy as we moved along the end season tournament. Look, the courts are the courts. We talked about that. But what made this work, and I think what will make it work now moving forward, is the stars around the league saw how invested LeBron yep. was in this, and Adam Silver. I can't imagine how happy he is with LeBron because of the give-a-damn factor from the biggest face in the sport in LeBron James. So now next year, whether it's Giannis or Luka or whoever, they're going to say, well, LeBron busted his ass in that tournament. I, I can do it too if a 39-year-old can do it. And we kind of knew, I don't know how many you know people had been talking about this, but I had figured that it, because it's the first one, mm-hmm. LeBron would want not only to win the tournament, yeah. but be the first ever in-season tournament MVP. You nailed it. Because, it's look, it's not going to be, and I hate the Jordan-LeBron debate. I don't even engage in it what anymore. If, <laughs> what if someone to you used that? Because are you're, are you're, your team LeBron? 100%. So what if, imagine you, and this is what I was thinking. Imagine a LeBron guy, maybe you or me using that as a Jordan versus LeBron debate and yeah. that he that's another ring for LeBron. It's just something to needle him. It's it's, all, we it's know it doesn't hold that much weight. It's just something to needle God, him. Do like, I want to use that? Be like, how many in-season tournaments did Jordan win? Because <laughs> hmm? it's already bothering him. It is just already bothering him. So under their skin. Oh, man, I love it. But, I, yeah, I, it, everything you said – it is a an absolute win for what the NBA was trying to do in year one of this thing, considering all the criticism that was levied at it yeah. before you got into it. And there's the financial. I mean, think of every player on the Lakers that got 500 grand from this. That is a fringe guy. That is a two way player. Got I think 250 mm-hmm. grand from just winning the thing. That's more than they fit to take home. Yeah in a season and so for them for everybody else you look around and you see the teams that have a lot of these fringe guys that this means so much i mean you could see like a guy like jackson hayes 
and like some of the Instagram lives that those guys were posting after the game, yep. how geeked up they were. I mean, think about the rookie from Indiana, Jalen Hood Shafino, right? Like that dude has never come close to that type of money. He didn't do a damn thing in the game and made in his mind, at least for now, generational wealth. And guys that likely, if they are lucky to get on a team that sniffs a title, then okay, great. But a lot of those guys won't be on teams that sniff championships. Right. right. And this is something that they can, it's a ring. Yeah. It's a, a, a hell of a paycheck mm-hmm. and it's a cool experience. And so I look and having that one game, not matter to your in season record. I thought it was interesting. I know they they gave every other team um, like that. They, they kind of made it up in terms of the, the numbers, yeah. the two championship teams in the, uh, Pacers and Lakers, they just get that one off. Mm-hmm. But I thought the whole the execution of it was really good. It was fine. And, and look, I'm, I'm sure they'll tweak it and it may become a better product. But yeah. I thought for the first ever in-season tournament, it, it did its job. It added some life to a sport. People that, gave a damn about the NBA in months they normally don't. And that was the key. And that was the key. Now it's on them to find a way to make it better. But you're off to a damn good start with that. For I did sure. see where the NBA came out and said they beat the Heisman Trophy. Interesting. In season tournament final, the ratings were higher than that of the Heisman. That's a win. They were, I think, the second highest rated sports uh, property that day behind the Army Navy game. And I think that's why Adam Silver was probably so happy the Lakers beat the Pelicans. Yes. Because if you have a Pelicans and Pacers championship, nope. Uh, it doesn't do a damn thing. I'm going to hit the same. No. And speaking of the Pacers, I think their worst. They're the worst team in the league in terms of def- defensive efficiency. Yeah. And I think we did call that a couple weeks ago. Pacers are 28th. Yeah. So you got only the Hornets and the, I'm going to call them the Alexandria Wizards now because you can't really call them Washington. They ain't <laughs> in the damn city anymore. But I, we were saying this, like they don't play a lick of defense. No. And it's like as many points as they scored, you still got what, like 41 yeah. out of Anthony Davis. You got 30 plus out of LeBron and they scored, they put 123. Like Pacers had 109, yeah. it wasn't enough. So maybe I need to pair both the Magic and the Pacers together and they are last year's Sacramento Kings. Maybe more, yeah. maybe the Pacers more so than the Magic with the way they can get up and down. They're fun, it's entertaining, but as far as a uh, real run in the postseason, I, I ain't seeing it. But that's what this whole season is, right? It's runs, it's ups, it's downs, and so we have to ride it all together, and hopefully we can continue to ride this up, down, maybe, for me, we ride it into the playoffs. We'll get there. We're good. I don't know if it'll be, you know, above that. I don't know if we'll be uh, talking non-play-in games, <laughs> but we'll be in the postseason. We'll, right. we'll, we'll talk more next week. Thanks for listening to Very Cavalier. Make sure to hit subscribe on whatever podcast thing you're listening to.